0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: 705 on CJAD 800. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Welcome back, Josh. Hello, Dan. So, another year. Uh, my god, I'm losing track. I think we're in our
2: 6th year at least. We, you know, we started in December 2009, so, you wow. know, we're yeah, call it 6. How is your uh, how's your break? Break was great. You know, is it it too late for Happy New Year's now? You know, we're the 25th. It's like uh, everybody's into it a few weeks already. Some people are still cursing and and getting ready for their taxes and all this government stuff that's coming around. So Mm -hmm.
1: we'll just move on from there. Well well uh, it's glad to be back and um, so we have we're gonna have a pretty interesting uh, couple of guests coming up on the program uh, we're gonna talk to Genevieve and Denzil of uh, the People Connect app and uh, so it's our first technology um, topic in a while so that should mm-hmm. be fun and uh, but first as usual we'll chat about just some entrepreneurial news uh, making headlines right now and let's begin with uh, department stores which have come up a lot in the program I mean department stores used to be not, not only uh you know um uh, a strong area in retail but they were they were the area in retail just a few decades ago right I mean they were really the marquee stores sears the bay um but sears is a uh, cutting back again
2: it's uh Sears is uh everybody certainly people that sell to Sears they're all super frightened people that go into the store i mean the, the reality is I haven't been to a sears location in in quite a bit uh, maybe used to buy some of the catalog but I just don't know what the appeal is to Sears. The the Bay seems to have done a lot of things and turned things around and, and whatever nature. Uh, Sears, uh, much less so. So what are they relying on? What are the, all these, a lot of these big box uh, stores and these department stores? They have very smartly over many, many decades purchased or own a lot of their real estate. So when retail is tanking, what are they doing to prop up their dollars and their revenues and their bottom line? They're selling off real estate. They're selling off property just so that they don't keep bleeding on the operation side. It doesn't mean they're getting better. It just means that they're giving them more of a chance or more of a time frame so that they can try and get better. They can try, try and uh, change their mer- merchandising or appeal to the public. Um, Sears have, you know, y- you hear, you know, the stories of Target that came in and left, but they're, they're certainly have a good business model south of the border. Uh, the Bay as, you know, Simons is, you know, a local one, seems to be doing okay. Uh, the Bay, not so bad either, certainly with all the ads. Sears just, you know, for whatever reason, just doesn't seem to be able to pull up their socks. So they're selling off property. They're trying to give themselves another six, nine, 12 months. But if you're selling to them and you're trying to get financing for it, not so easy because all the financers and the bankers, they know that it's not the rosiest picture.
1: And over at the Hudson's Bay Company, they're making some moves too, and they're buying. They're going online, really, and buying an online retailer.
2: Well, that, that's you know, we we've spoken a few times, Dan, about you know the the bricks and mortar versus the online, and you can't you know we found that that many retailers, many people selling their their goods and their wares, actually like both sides of it. Actually, say you know what, there's markets out there for both sides. It's not you can't just be online because people do want to look and see and feel and touch. Uh, and you can't just be bricks and mortary because there's so much opportunity and so many people out there sitting on their phones, sitting on their devices, uh, as we'll hear later with, with People Connect, and and they're just buying and using their phone to, to do everything. So for them to actually... Expand their distribution channel, which is really what it is. It's all about distribution channels. Uh, it's it, it's a good move. Listen, the, if they couldn't do it themselves and they they need to expand further, then finding an online distribution channel
1: that already works uh, is a good idea. Speaking of a distribution, uh, tell us about uh, this uh, multi million dollar tea brand that we've never heard of, and this is a pretty interesting pl- uh, piece in the Globe and Mail about uh, the um, the underside or the, the the back room to this uh, you know uh, exploding business. It's called tea leaves Dan and tea leaves uh, that's
2: based uh, on the west coast uh, is essentially you've never heard of them they're not a David's tea they're not a Tivana they're they're not out there they're not doing the whatever other teas that are in the the, the coffee shops uh, they're doing wholesale they're selling to high-end hotels and and people that are uh, or companies that are selling their or providing teas to their customers they're doing it Very well packaged. Uh, They're doing it high level, high end, good tasting, but they're doing it wholesale. So they don't have to so much rely on retail. Now, that being said, they do like their retail locations because it does emphasize and it it does kind of help build the brand. Now what they're realizing is, hey, we're selling our wholesale to all these customers. The customers uh, of their customers, so let's say hotel guests of of the hotels that are using tea leaves are saying, hey, this is great tea. Where can I get it? So they're finding a little bit of demand through the B to B to B. And, uh, and then hence it's saying, okay, we realize there's a demand. Now let's try capitalize on it. Let's, we already have a store or two. Maybe it's time to go out and buy and build some more.
1: We we're talking about big retailers uh, earlier ikea uh they're expanding in canada they expanded here in montreal a, a little while ago um what do you think uh what are they doing right how how come sort of those big retailers are working and the department stores aren't it's interesting you know the uh, ikea has has somehow
2: found the right model the right the right mix of a bang for the buck if you will it's not necessarily the highest end furniture although they do make some pretty good stuff you do have to build it yourself uh, i don't i don't know if they're if the store they're building in halifax comes with a huge set of instructions and if they, they'll be left with pieces at the end uh, but uh, but certainly there's a huge demand for it i mean anybody that walks into the ikea store here in montreal it, it's a madhouse i mean to find parking to go they're doing something right they're they're appealing it's the right bang for the buck as i said before it's the right merchandising it's not a crazy high level price point uh it's you know you can buy stuff that is that is very user friendly that is that that's just everything everyday things that people need and they're just recognizing it not only that but they change they evolve with the market they know, they understand and they're keeping an eye on the needs of the house and the needs of the home and, and of course the needs of the office uh and they they're changing with the times and i, I think That is, that's kudos to them. That's kudos to their, their, their marketing, their, their research. Uh, And they just seem to do it well to the point that in any market that they tend to go into, it's these monster stores that just get filled with people.
1: Speaking of adapting quickly, uh, you know, in fast food, uh, there's always new items coming up, uh, seasonal items, but there's a, a new fast food chain called Freshy, a bit of a healthier angle there, and they don't just have sort of new items coming in here and there. They really revamp their menu all year long, and they they, cha- they change it up almost completely, and uh, they seem to be exploding lately.
2: Well, Freshie, Freshie's been around uh, a long time. Uh, they're, they're not, I don't even know if there are actually any stores here uh, in Quebec, I haven't really seen too many or, or any. I don't know if you have, Dan, um, but they're, they're definitely they're they're across Canada, and they are strictly focusing on health food. Now that there's there's many many fast food type places that are trying to be healthy, and you know the McDonald's of the world tries to have their salad and and all that. But they're they're really focusing on this. But even more importantly, and I think you hit it, Dan, and a little bit with IKEA too, they change with the times, but they don't change every three years. They don't wait for this massive change and 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 these these huge opportunities and wait and plan 12, 18 months out. They are on the move all the time. Nimble. And that's, you know, when you're a smaller company and you don't have, you know, so many thousand doors to change all at once, even though there's there's some people that say that could be easy too. It is easy for them to change. And when they're focused, focused on What is actually happening in the market, research out there, talking to people and making those changes every six months, I believe the article read,
1: then they're going to stay relevant. Finally, um, I'd like to to give a shout out to Quebec's own Dubuque Motors. They were in the news recently because they are they're crowdfunding, and this is a this is an electric supercar. I remember interviewing the co-founder of this company uh, last year. Very interesting. They're really um, they they're they're really trying hard to produce a, a beautiful Quebec-made electric supercar.
2: Tesla has a sedan. Tesla's coming out with an SUV. Uh, Tesla doesn't have necessarily the sports car. Yet there's a lot of people out there that are driving Teslas uh, and that I have no doubt there are people out there that would like a sports model. And if Tesla's not doing it, there's a void in the market. And and, and Dubuque realizes this void, thankfully has some money to spare and, and, can, and can put in the million dollars for development, uh, but recognizes there's a need in the market and is willing to go
1: out and make it happen. Genevieve Azolin and Denzil Dessa of the People Connect app are our profile this evening. They are coming up next on today's entrepreneur.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you for today's entrepreneur. And this evening, let's welcome our guests, Genevieve Azolin and Denzil Dessa of People Connect. It's an app. Guys, welcome to CJD. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
3: Thank you so much for having us.
1: No problem. So first question, really simple. Tell us about yourselves and about uh, about People Connect.
3: Um, All right. So Denzel and I are the co-founders of People Connect. And uh, People Connect is basically a mobile software that lets you continue your smartphone conversations on all your other devices. So you can essentially, you know, text message from your computer or when you receive a call, it can ring on all of your devices. Very similar to what Apple has done with iMessage Continuity, but specifically built for Android smartphones. And then you can just connect and continue on any device.
2: Now, this is something that... uh... Came out of where? I guess where did the idea come from? Because you've been doing this for several years now.
4: Well, um, we used to work together in a different life, and um, we actually saw how important um, smartphones have become in everybody's lives, and especially ourselves. We considered ourselves uh, smartphone addicts, and um, we realized the power of it when we were at work and we forgot our, our our phone at home and. We jumped in our car and we did 45 minutes of traffic just to go pick it up because it was that important. And when we saw that kind of motivation, it's really what started getting the wheels turning. And uh, that's the birth of the original idea came from that.
2: Now, you were you were both working at another location, another place. You both had jobs. what well, what point did you say, you know what, I'm quitting the job and we're starting we're starting this.
3: Um, I think it was a couple of factors that came together. Um, The first one was we had this idea. We noticed that, like Denzel was mentioning, the motivation is really strong and then we're surrounded by screens throughout our day from our computer to our tablet, to our smartphone, to our TV screen, and we felt like there should really be an integration of that smartphone experience. Um, and then we started doing research, and we really felt like the, the motivation was so compelling and so mass-scale, not only in North America, but also in developing markets in Europe. We felt like this was really an idea worth pursuing. So after some research, some validation, some initial alpha and beta testing, we decided to uh, go all in and, and quit our day jobs. And-
2: so you did you... What do you know about programming? Were you, were you programming this? Did you did you have to look elsewhere to program your skill set? Did it did it really move towards what you were going to do, or did you have to look elsewhere?
4: Well, um, we had diverse uh, backgrounds, and for me, I'm a bit of a tech geek, so I had a good understanding on that side. I had done some development work for the previous employer that I had, um, so it wasn't a huge leap. Um, and what we felt was our big benefit was we were we had. A good technology understanding, but at the same time, we brought the the strong business approach. So we had a, an idea, we had uh, a strong idea, um, market research that matched it, I'm a good partner to work with, I think, which was the other big piece there. Knowing that we like to work with each other, um, and then we we had to just find some other resources to help. Um, from up the team and be able to launch this, did you put together kind of a formal business plan
2: when you were starting this out, or was it let 's build a product and then we 'll figure it out from there?
4: We
3: did actually put together a business plan, um something that we look back on now and actually really laugh out loud because <laughs> it's nothing you know obviously nothing really lived up to what was on those pieces of paper. Um I think it was it was a good exercise in terms of getting us to think of all the different pieces and not go into it blind figuring it out as we went but at the same time you know the month that we took to write it a week later it was irrelevant so it's kind of what we've learned from that was that It helped us kind of get the right thinking, but what was on the paper didn't matter so much because we really needed to be able to adapt and be nimble as we went along. And what we actually found had more value was um, a year in, we built a Lean Canvas, which is really a one-pager, and it has Mm -hmm. about 12 pieces of information that you put on it. But that really came in much more handy, and that's something that we actually continue to change every couple of months. Mm -hmm.
2: So th- this is kind of your newfound business plan. It's the one sheet. It's got these dozen items on it, and that's what you monitor and adjust as you go. That's something interesting that we'll explore a little further when we, uh, when we come back after the break.
1: jean and Denzel Dessau of the Connect app are a profile tonight on today's Entrepreneur.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: 7.25 on Today's Entrepreneur, Jean-Jean Vassolin and Denzil Dassault of the PeopleConnect app are our profile this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. And uh, Josh, we're seeing more and more tech companies on the program, which is really nice to see. A lot of young entrepreneurs as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, without sounding too cheesy, it is the future. A lot more, a lot more sustainable businesses are now in app form.
2: Uh, I would even say it's not the future; it's it's today. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, so definitely, people have to get uh, get their act together and and certainly move on. Now, we were talking about you know your business plan, and and it it just changes so frequently. And you went to a a, a lean model, and it's kind of a one pager. Now, let's take a, a step back a little bit and say, at what point did you go from leaving your job till you actually had a product? Like, what was that time frame? How many months, year was it till you actually had something working?
4: Um, it, it was honestly longer than we thought <laughs> or that we planned for. Um, it, uh, we, we took a big leap of faith cause, um, you know, when you work a, a regular job, 40 hours a week, it's never really 40 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do a lot more. It's hard to find the time, um, outside of your regular job to work on and be fully committed to a job. So for us, we decided let's quit our jobs. And let's start and really focus on it. Um, So the business plan didn't take us too long. Um, And then assembling the team, finding the right resources, adjusting the plan as you go along, finding the financing, uh, which is typically the part that takes the longest. Um, Those things took us a little bit longer. And I think it took us, we were lucky because um, we worked very hard in clearly articulating our goals. And we won some innovation grants that helped us to get started, I think, in Three to six months? Yeah, very yeah.
3: early on. Um, and As then we in, you, were... you
4: kind of
2: applied for these, for again, these specific grants with the, with the, whatever program or whatever project you had in mind.
3: Yeah. Um, and we had a prototype up within a month and a half of what we wanted to do. But of course, it was just a, a prototype. It wasn't something that we could actually scale. And then we built an alpha with our team and because there was a lot of r&d involved with it um, it actually took us almost 12 months to be able to put together an alpha that we could put out on the market um, so like dental said it did take longer than than we were hoping for but because there was a lot of r&d and innovation mm-hmm. it also you know we had to get through a lot of technological hurdles um, and also finding the right resources to be able to build it because at the time everybody would tell us oh you know what you guys want to do it's impossible it's just not, it's not feasible. Literally.
4: Literally people. Not. Lots of people said it was impossible. So we just moved on to the next conversation because we needed to find people who could believe it could be done. That's the first hurdle, right? And
2: So does that mean, because you talked about certainly one of the hurdles is financing, because if you're quitting your job and you don't have any revenue coming in uh, and you got to build this model and, and possibly with, with some employees or some, some outsourcing, you need some money to do it. So where did you, I mean, you you mentioned you got some grants that that you applied for, but so where did the kind of the money come from? Was it your own money, love money, banks?
4: Yes, (laughs) all of the above. Uh, Well, we started first off with our savings. Um, uh, I had some shares in uh, the company that I worked with Mm -hmm. before. We said, okay, let's take that, let's invest it. And that was really, I think the stepping stone. Then we, um, we started to look at what, programs that the government had um, and that's where we found some of these grants and then we we turned to love money as well we we, we talked to our lo- uh, our network and we were lucky because we had a very supportive network and um, we were able to use uh, that to help us raise the financing we needed to get going
2: being a being a tech company and we always hear about crowdfunding did was that part was that a thought process and did you decide you know to try it, or did you specifically decide you didn't want to go that route?
3: Um, so we made the conscious decision not to go that route. Um, I think it's great what you're able to do with crowdfunding, and it it's especially applicable in certain industries. You know, especially when you have um, a physical product, something that people want to receive in the mail or that they can purchase eventually at a store. I think that it has a lot of value. With what we were doing, we looked at it. We, you know, looked at how we would do it, what would be our best path to do it. And we didn't feel like it was the strongest route and the fastest route to get us to capital. Um, not to say that maybe down the road, eventually we might we might do it, but it just didn't seem right for the timing. And instead, because it was a lot of R&D and we knew it would probably be at least 12 months before we could put out a product, we chose specifically to go with other sources of innovation and funding.
4: And one of the things that um Jeanne-Jab highlighted earlier, we were quick to have a prototype just because... Uh, this was before Apple had launched their solution. So explaining to people, people didn't understand. Um, so it's hard when people can't visualize what you're trying to sell. So for a Kickstarter or a program like that, a crowdfunding, they need to be able to understand it clearly. And we were trying to explain something that has ne- never been done before. So a lot of people were like, I don't get it. Denzil Dessart
1: and Geneviève Azoulin of the People Connect app joining us this evening on Today's Entrepreneur.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: 736. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. And this evening, Josh, we're talking with uh, Jean Gervais Lynn and Denzel Dassa of the People Connect app. And uh, pretty interesting, um, these guys uh, are based here and have been pretty much everywhere. Uh, Vegas, uh, you getting highlighted by some major uh, tech news outlets like like TechCrunch. Uh, could, you, could you maybe just talk a bit about your experience uh, getting involved in the tech community in the States?
3: Yeah, it's been quite a learning experience for us as well. Um, so we decided to originally launch People Connect, the beta version at TechCrunch Disrupt in San Francisco. So that was our first major public release. Um, and we actually... Um, People were demonstrating their their new products there, and we were one of the demo tables, and uh, the audience could vote.
1: For those that don't know what TechCrunch Disrupt is... Oh, Uh,
3: so TechCrunch Disrupt, TechCrunch is uh, one of the big tech magazines uh, based out of San Francisco, and they typically cover a lot of the new tech startups as well as big companies like Facebook and Google. Um, And then they organize twice a year, once in San Francisco, once in New York, a big conference where they invite new technology startups to showcase their wares. Um, So we were one of the companies that was there demonstrating People Connect for the very first time and the audience could vote. And we actually won the most audience votes at this show. And so because of that, um, and then you combine the fact that they bring in all their media to to walk around and test out the products, it kind of got us, um, you know, our first coverage and put out there into the universe that we're building this and this has the potential to be something big. Um, Shortly thereafter, we, With the beta testers that we were able to gather from the show, we were then able to build up the full product of People Connect to be able to fully release it at South by Southwest, which is another huge conference that takes place in Austin, Texas. Um, this one's even bigger because it's not only for startups. It actually comes behind everybody in the interactive world, so any new kind of tech media. Um, it also brings in the film world and then music. So it's really big. Um, and we decided to actually launch People Connect there um, for the first time.
2: Now, now you're you're this little company and there's this huge trade show. How, how, do, how do you get people to notice you?
4: Well, I think one of the things uh, for Shunjiv and myself uh, that we appreciate is that going from a big organization where we worked before going to a smaller organization, which really needs our two approvals, was it was uh, amazing because we could do some really um, I get out there things um, so we really challenged ourselves on always making sure that it comes home with our key messages but doing things that were bold and different and uh, like we were joking around uh, off air and um, there were times that we got in trouble but you know you got to push those limits um, and and that's I guess the the key way of being able to stand out can you give an example of one of the one of the ways where you're able to stand out that people could kind of
2: see that you're around amongst the the myriad of of, of kiosks that were there
4: well there there's a couple of things uh, i I think for me my two favorites are um at south by Southwest this show is famous for lineups like that are just unbelievable hour to hour lineups and um uh, off-program concerts by Kanye West or uh, Beyonce showing up. Um, and knowing that, when we went to the show, we said, how can we really have an impact for for people to want to download and use us right away? Just because there's just so much noise at that show. And we came up with the idea of a line waiting service. So if you downloaded People Connect to your phone, we had a, f- um, a team of about 30 people uh, available on the street, who could go and wait in line for you. So you message them in the app, we'd send would dispatch someone to go wait in line for you and uh, you could have your dinner and then when the line started moving, you'd get a message back from that line waiter. You go to the venue, hop into the line, exchange places and it was always one for one, so it was fair for everyone else who was waiting in the line. Meanwhile, those people while they waited, our line waiters were advertising to everyone else in the line because they had a captivated o- audience of people going standing in line for an hour. And then, um, you know, it really, it really resonated. People were like, oh, my gosh, this is almost like a no-brainer. I can't believe it didn't exist before. Um, so for, for us, that was one of the big success.
3: We even got approached, I think, to spin off another business for professional line waiters for for various different events. But yeah, no, it was great in terms of having that incentive for downloading and using the product right then and there versus, you know, you hear about so many new tech startups while you're at the show, then you have to remember about it later on when you go back to your hotel room or when you get back home. This was really an incentive to do it right now.
4: Yeah. And the other one that I was going to mention is uh, this was actually jean idea. I loved it. It was a mobile booth. So on the trade show floor, you have booths, mm-hmm. but not everybody goes into the trade show. So we um, paid $150 for a styrofoam um, plastic booth that uh, an intern from our team wore with a window space. And we put it outside in the street where people were walking and we talked about what we did and we offered our line waiting service. And uh, I think... There must have been 10, 15 marketing magazines that covered us just because of the bold idea. Um,
2: it's, it sounds like, you know, and you're doing this all internally. All your marketing ideas are really coming from yourselves, right?
3: Yeah, us and our team, exactly. So
2: now, now you, you mentioned your team. So that that's an important aspect, of course, with any business. And maybe in the startup, it was just the two of you. But over time, you, you, built, you built people around, you built a team around you. Was it difficult to find people? How did you find them?
3: I mean, it's always difficult to find the right kind of people. There's lots of people that want to get in. You know, startups are young and sexy, and lots of people suddenly want to jump into a startup, Um, but they're also really hard and really challenging, and there's a lot of weight on each and every person's shoulders that joins a startup, so it does take the right kind of person. Um, Over the years, we've actually developed pretty detailed way of how we go out and recruit people. Um, It's typically through recommendations, people that we know. But even if it's not, um, when we meet somebody for the first time, we essentially only talk about their drive, their motivations, where they see themselves. It's much more of a personal conversation versus a professional technical conversation. So
2: you don't really check more their character and fit before you check their knowledge and other assets.
3: Exactly. I mean, we're of the opinion that a lot of the technical knowledge can be learned and gained but if you're not of the same opinion and the same motivation that, you know, you're going to get this done and we're going to be a team and we're going to work together and anything can happen, um, then it's not going to be the right fit and that can't change. So Yeah,
2: Uh, I think it's great. And I I know we've heard it with many entrepreneurs that more and more, certainly in the last number of shows versus when we first started, it's hiring more for fit and character than actual knowledge that, you know, you have to have. But the fit, the fit is even more important. Now, just just before we kind of get to to the end of of this segment, um, you're in the technology game. Technology changes so rapidly has it changed has you know in the, in the few years that you've been around has it changed enough that you kind of had to make any drastic changes to your to your software
4: um yes absolutely I think uh, the the game of technology is that it's in constant motion and um, nobody is exactly sure on the path that it's going to take um, so there's a constant flow of adjustment um there's some ideas we had early on that we had to put to the to the sidelines um some that we thought of but we didn't think that were that important that have become important but i think that's what makes it very exciting and engaging um uh, it's that fl- it's it's constantly changing what you are depending on how the market is evolving and i think truly that's what our our strength is as a small and nimble organization is Uh, that's what we feed off of. It's exciting. It's what we like. It's what we live day in and day out. So it's almost um, natural for the business to be running in the same way.
2: And But is it difficult to stay on top of all this changing technology?
4: A yes. lot of reading, a lot of, you know... It's a lot of reading, a lot of downloading, a lot of using. So yeah, it is. Uh, there are so many things that are going on in so many places in the world. So right now, there's probably somewhere someone in India who's building a tool that's exactly the same as the person who's building a tool in San Francisco. and So it's a lot of pieces that are beyond just the technology that makes a company work. Um, so I don't... Lose well. We don't lose sleep in terms of trying to cover the the world and understand everything that's going on. It's just having a good, solid understanding of where things are going.
2: Excellent, thank you. And I know there's always so much to talk about. Certainly, when we're talking about apps and technology and what have you. So we'll we'll stay we'll stay on the on the cyber theme, though, uh, Dan. When we come back, uh, and we'll talk about cyber insurance. You know, protecting yourself, protecting your clients, and and kind of what insurance that you should know. And if people are stealing your data, you know,
1: what kind of other things should you be aware of? Kevin Araman IT specialist at FL is coming up next and we'll have Jean-Jean and Denzil Dessaz one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur before the show is done.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on FLMontreal.com.
1: Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL for Lowland Josh Miller with you coming up. We'll have Genev and Denzil's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur uh, coming up in a little while. They are from the People Connect app, of course. And uh, joining us now is Kev- Kevin Ammerman, IT consultant at FL and. Uh, here to talk about uh, security, Josh. Of course, pretty apropos.
2: And uh, unfortunately, you know, it's been it's been pretty quiet in our uh, twiddle notes uh, this week in data loss. That being said, you know, cybersecurity and and insuring against some losses is 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 a big topic. So, Kevin, why don't you elaborate and uh, fill us in on some of that stuff?
5: Well, we've all heard how uh,
2: important it is to have proper
5: insurance for your business, and these days to include uh, cyber liability insurance as well uh, to protect yourself against. Uh, accidents that happen within your office. If somebody, you know, blows up a server or spills a coffee in a computer and loses a bunch of data, or if, uh, perhaps, uh, someone that you're dealing with, maybe a cloud services provider, if they have a problem or lose data and, uh, put your business at risk, you need insurance to cover these things. But, uh, one of the big pieces of news that came out just this past week was, uh, a company that had that insurance, at least they thought they had the proper insurance. They had talked to their brokers and made sure that they had the proper insurance first party second party and third party liability insurance mm-hmm. for the business but unfortunately they were the victim of a uh an impersonation attack so a person at the company received an email that pretended to be from an executive at the company instructing them to uh, make some deposits into a foreign account and this was kind of their line of business this was not too unusual for them but uh it added up to about four hundred and eighty thousand dollars these transfers It's a lot of money that's a lot of money and unfortunately, the insurance uh, company decided that their the policy that the company had subscribed to didn't apply in this case, um, due to the the little detail that uh, they were protected against fraud via financial instruments, such as checks and money orders, but apparently an email is not a
2: financial instrument. Now, maybe you can describe, somebody hijacked somebody else's email, or... They, they created another email address that looked really close to it how, how does this happen exactly so what they did was they registered a domain that looked very very similar to
5: the the proper domain so instead of uh, yahoo.com it was yahoo.co or something like this that the email originated from it wasn't yahoo but you know what i mean and uh they managed to impersonate they they had done that the attacker had done their research they looked at the uh the company's website, figured out who had what positions within the company and used that to their advantage. They they had the proper names, they used the proper tone in the email, and uh, it was
2: convincing enough to, to get that large sum of money transferred. Now, cyber insurance, I mean, could, is not around for decades and decades. So there's there's got to be, I mean, I know it's all in the fine print and you got to read it. So basically you're just making sure that you're suggesting everybody reads everything. And if there's a certain situation or case that can come up, let their insurance agent really let them know about it and describe it.
5: Yeah. And these these attacks are evolving. They're coming out all the time. So we see them come in little waves. This impersonation attack is relatively recent. It's just been in the past year that we're really starting to see examples of it. And I think it's just that the insurance policies haven't caught up with it. So I, I don't think it's like malicious intent or anything like this on the on the part of the insurance company. I think it is a legitimate... It's,
2: it's just a failing in their policies. They haven't kept up with the times. And then, you know, with all the thievery that's going out there, then there's these cyber thieves that might hold your information ransom. Uh, and they created this ransom layer. So when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit about that.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Genevazole and Denzil Dessaz, one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way, but first chatting with Kevin Ammerman, IT specialist with FL. Josh, about uh, cybersecurity and about, uh, I guess, this new popular trend of cyber insurance. And ransomware, Hmm. you know,
2: people holding your data for ransom.
5: Yeah, we've been hearing about this for a couple of years where hackers or even just a malicious spyware will get into your computer and encrypt the entire contents of your computer and all that would pop up would be a phone number for you to call to contact someone to find out how to get that information back. And uh, the, the perpetrators would make you go and buy some Bitcoin and transfer it to them. And then hopefully they'd give you a password to unlock your data. But the modern take on this, the new development, is that this has started to be extended to uh, cloud data storage as well. So we always hope that this data we put into various services like Dropbox or Ignite, uh, we hope that it's protected. But if someone does manage to compromise your account, they can encrypt all the, the all the documents that you put up there, and have them sitting there happily
2: but inaccessible to you. And are, do you see them asking for tons and tons of money, or is it are there more reasonable amounts? Like God forbid it should happen to somebody.
5: Uh, what we've the ones the few that we've heard about directly, it's been relatively small sums, so it's under a couple thousand dollars. Um, it's enough to, you know, to be worthwhile for the hackers, but it's, it's not so much, you know, it's, it's palatable for people that they can go out and, and spend that
2: and, you know, not involve the police or the federal authorities. Too much of a, of a pain in the, you know, where, yeah. so I guess what do, what do employees, what do entrepreneurs do? Backups,
5: lots and lots of backups. So try not to give in to these people if you're put into the situation, but try to make sure that your backups are done regularly. And don't forget to back up that data that's stored in the cloud because bad things happen in the cloud too.
2: And test your backups, right? Because if they're not backing up properly and you think they are, that could be deadly.
5: Test your backups. And, you know, if in doubt, get somebody to help you out, you know, don't be scared to call for help and get somebody to check things for you.
2: Excellent. Thanks very much, Kevin. And as we approach the last moments of our show, uh, as we do every, uh, every week, We'll turn to uh, Denzel and and Geneviève and ask each of you, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur?
4: Well, um, we cheated a little because both of us get one piece, so we've coordinated. (laughs) As you should, as two partners should (laughs) do. Um, So for me, uh, one of the things that I feel that's really, really important, uh, well, actually, we both feel very important about is the people you work with, Um, especially when you're a small organization, but even all the way into bigger organizations. If you have the wrong kind of people on the team, it has a big impact. Um, So we spend a lot of time making sure we find the right people, and we're not scared to let people go if if it's not working out, because on paper it might look great, but in reality it's not. So I think the people that you hire, spend a lot of time, and don't be scared to let them go. Thanks. Genevieve?
3: Um, so I totally agree with Denzel. And my piece of advice would be when you're starting up a project that's, you know, in technology, and that's new, and that's never been done before, you will meet a lot of people that tell you not to do it. And I think it's important as an entrepreneur to stay true to yourself, to continue to believe in the reason that you have started this and, you know, take in the feedback, but don't let that steer you off course.
2: I think it's great and, and Dan, you know, the, the little takeaways I, I would have repeated what Genevieve said is because entrepreneurs you have to take that leap of faith. You have to just kind of get into it, you know it's gonna work, and have your have your go no point
1: go no go points, but just delve into it. Genevieve Azlin and Denzel Desan of the People Connect app. Great product guys. Thanks for dropping by and best of luck. Thank, Thank you so you. much for having us. Thanks to Kevin Ammerman as well, our IT specialist at, uh, at FL. And uh, next week, Josh, we'll talk to the folks at Tonus Capital on the program. We're here Monday nights at 7 on News Talk Radio CJAD 800. The Exchange is next.